0: Hello and welcome to China on the Rocks, a podcast about the F&B lifestyle in China. I am your host, Logan, and I'm joined by...
1: I'm Anna, your co-host. With also... Elisha. It's been a while, guys. Welcome back, Elisha. She's back. She's back. And she's got blue hair. And she's also back with really cool and exciting news... She has a really cool new project that she's going to talk to us a little bit about. Tell us about Fizz. Yeah, Fizz. Uh, so for our past listeners, um, you guys
2: may or may not know that uh, I'm a cocktail writer here in China. And um, on the pa- for the past few years, I've just been kind of doing my own thing. And I recently launched my own tiny little platform called Fizz. Um, and with this, I'm just trying to talk about, the- give a little bit of exposure to the China bar industry uh, for the outside world, uh, because really there's nobody in China writing in English about what's going on here, and uh, the cocktail scene is really, really incredible. There's a lot of great stars here, amazing cocktail bars, and I think they deserve some attention. So this is my new project, uh, kind of doing whatever I want with it. Give us the socials. How can people find Fizz? So you can find Fizz, if you're in China, you can find it on WeChat. The account is FizzChina. My website is fizzchina.com, and my very empty Instagram is uh, is also fizzchina. Um, so, yeah, there should be more content coming soon, and yeah.
0: Well, I think that leads us into our first favorite thing. Let's have a shot. What are we drinking this week, Logan? Uh, we are drinking Jameson. John- because it's back. John Jameson triple distilled, triple distilled twice as smooth. And it's back, guys. It's finally back. Cheers, everybody. It's my first shot in a week and a half. Oh, so smooth. So smooth.
1: Your first shot, not for us, because me and Elijah just came from Hong Kong. And for the listeners at home that don't know, this week, the Asia's Top 50 Best Bars was hosted in Hong Kong for the first time. Hong Kong being a great city for cocktail bars and the whole cocktail experience, Needless to say, it was a lot of drinking, a lot of networking, a lot of cocktail bars visiting, and uh, it was a wild week. So, yeah,
0: tell us a little bit about that. Uh, for those at home, uh, there's something called Asia's Top 50 Bars, correct? Asia's 50 Best Bars. Asia's 50 Best Bars. And there's also a food version of that, correct? There, So
2: Asia's 50 Best Bars is um, ba- basically uh, a segment of the world's 50 best bars and the world's 50 best restaurants.
0: Okay, cool. And so this one was in Hong Kong. Now... For China, we had how many bars nominated? So this year,
2: China had
0: uh, mainland China
2: had just one bar on the list, which was Hope and Sesame from Guangzhou, which which
1: is um, a little sad,
2: but it it's pretty much a direct result of COVID. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's very understandable because part of the rules for a voter on the fifty best bars is that you have to have visited the bar in the last twelve months. And I think considering that the borders in China just closed in January and the voting ended around kind of that time, I think it ended February or March. Um, the the borders opened in January. Yeah, yeah, but there wasn't yeah. enough time for a lot of right. the, the the judges or the the voting people. The the how do you call that? The, yeah, the voters. Right. To have visited the bar, so I think that another thing is that in the south for for a little geographical thing. um, Hope and Sesame is in Guangzhou, which is in the south, in the Canton region, which is really near the Hong Kong border. So they share a land border. Right. So it's much easier access than coming to Shanghai or Beijing or all these other cities. So they have a little bit of the advantage of when the borders open, still get some voters in. But yeah, the rest of China is a little sad, but we're going to recover. We will recover. Yeah. I think
2: that now that, you know, now that people can return um, and they can think more about the you know, internal voting panel in China, stuff like that, we should see a return of some of those kind of iconic bars that have usually been on the list, like Union Trading Company, Speak Low, places like that. Uh, hey, or maybe some new bar. Yeah, oh, there,
0: what's there, of bars course, there will be some Yeah, let's break bars. the tyranny of old media. You're right. in The new bars, because right. I mean, right. we need You're some right. new blood in these. Uh... Yeah, we
1: need some new blood on this list. Of course, we absolutely do need some new blood on the list. It's, it's been the same players for A while, yeah. But now, yeah. the interesting thing for me a lot about going to Hong Kong too is experience a whole different market, a whole different set of bars, cocktails, ingredients, trends, ideas. Um, I've been to a lot of really interesting bars in Hong Kong, I've been to a lot of bars that are still there, still staples, still running, you know, the same way they did, which I, I love it. So, it was definitely an experience. So, what was your highlights of the trip, Alicia? Um, so I mean, obviously, a lot of the things you just said, it it was really,
2: really fabulous to just get out of our city and visit another market and reconnect with a lot of people that we, you know, from the industry that we simply have not been able to see for, you know, now almost four years. Right. And for uh, for me, you know, one of the highlights was definitely going to the 50 best bars ceremony. It, It was, you know, extremely well attended, pretty rowdy. And really fun to just you know see see those bars being named alive um and so i always do enjoy going to the ceremony um but really i think it, mainly it was just the highlight for me was getting to go to these bars that i've been reading about and even writing about for years and have not gotten to visit in person
1: yeah for me i, I did love seeing the bars but i think that for me um i was very open about it before going i had a lot of industry social anxiety because after four years kind of in our bubble where we all know each other, we all kind of do the same, not the same things, but we are within the same market, right? I was feeling very insecure about what I'm doing because I lost perspective. So the only perspective I had was my peers around me, right? So going down to Hong Kong, I'm like, I was scared. I was like, what if I'm a joke? What if everybody's so ahead of me and I kind of was left behind for this COVID lockdown, right? What if I don't know what to talk to people about? Because the rest of the world, they have been traveling to conferences they've been doing guest shifts they've been opening new concepts together they've been collaborating and we've kind of been just here trying to survive for a very long time so I was really afraid to everyone is there talking about some new cool thing and I have no idea what they're talking about and I don't belong here I was having all this this anxiety which wore off by the by the second night Mm -hmm. but my first night there the after the ceremony the after parties and all that I was a nervous wreck I was being really weird I was getting next to people like Hey. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> hey. Were you like mouth breathing? Yeah, I, didn't, like... I didn't know what to say.
1: I was like I don't know how to be cool anymore.
0: <laughs> was it like that Molly Shannon character from uh, SNL where she put like her hands under her armpits and she would just walk out to people and then
1: No I was trying a bit harder so I was coming to people and just forcing conversations and it, it just, oh. just wasn't blowing and I'm like okay I don't know how to do this anymore but of course within that first night the next day I was much better and I kind of like went back in my groove and also it's a weird thing to say but I mean, I'm personalizing this, but I think it happens to a lot of people around the world that kind of being stuck through COVID and now are getting to explore again, is that I regain a lot of my confidence in the sense of like, I was really thinking like, oh, I just make these cocktails and it's fine. It's fine for China. But then when I go there, yes, I tried amazing, incredible things that I'm really inspired by. But I realized that what I'm doing is also good. What I'm doing is also comparable to this industry that i felt that i was left behind if that makes sense right yeah, it makes sense
2: yeah I, I don't think that um i mean personally i don't think that to be a great cocktail bar you have to be up with like the latest scientific drink making techniques and all of that stuff right like i'm sure that both of us visited some classic bars in, in hong kong that are that are really just kind of doing their old school thing you know and it's sinking on, on taste level okay no i'm i mean your drinks are up to par anna for sure
0: very excellent. Like what was
1: it what would you guys see as like a trend? What was going on? What was hot in those streets? Uh good question cuz everything in Hong Kong is so different, but I think that I don't know. if there's not a positive trend, and it's more—it's not—it's nobody's fault. Because there was a lot of pop ups
0: and stuff, so it wasn't just Hong Kong bars. Uh, yeah, just correct. for the listeners at home, it was—it was a, it was a the, bars from all over Asia, right? All over the world,
1: even all over the world. There yeah. were
2: probably over a hundred guest shifts over across the, across the week
1: surrounding the ceremony. A yeah, trend. That I'm not saying it's a positive trend, but I realized that the prices have gone up a lot in Hong Kong, especially for cocktails. But for I can sense them. Yeah, but I can see it's because of COVID, so it's kind of like a recovery thing. But that was that was for me very shocking. And um yeah, a lot of a lot of milk punches <laughs> a lot of good drinks, by the way yeah, it was it was very enjoyable, but I think we are up to par. I think the whole industry is still with the same set of trends and same type of ingredients. Um, you know, I, I I I was pleasantly surprised by how many good drinks I had, but I didn't necessarily had this wow, they're doing this out of this world thing here that I never heard before. It was very focused on quality. I think the that was actually the focus of the deal. It was all about quality ingredients, quality drinks. Yeah. Like, I'm
0: saying, like, was there any crazy garnish that was, like, the new no. thing?
2: I, I would say there's pretty much absolutely
0: no garnish. No garnish.
2: Okay, which, no. I love, which you know I love. I loved.
0: <laughs> but, like, you know, like, for, for us, and we've talked about this so many times on this podcast, like, when the straw, paper straw revolution came through, mm-hmm. that was a big thing. That was a big change in all the bars. Yeah. of the a sea of change. And then there was, you know, before that was micro micro flowers on everything mm-hmm. like but you saw just no garnish was the new trend
1: i wouldn't say no trend when i lived in hong kong already when i worked in hong kong yeah. I was already part of it i think it's very in line with cities like new york which is if the garnish is not adding a new flavor or a new smell you don't need it right so all the drinks come naked with a twist or just naked or yeah. with a little thing on top right it's it's basically just something to enhance the flavor experience gotcha but right. apart from that it's not but it's been in hong kong for a yeah, while yeah i i yeah i would i would say the same thing it's not real i feel
2: like minimalist cocktails have been kind of hot for several years and um definitely something i think i've talked about on the podcast before and logan you and i have discussed too like what what kind of bars need what kind of garnish and stuff you know um but even i went to i went to a rum bar called the daily tot and, mm-hmm. and there was a pop-up do, doing like tiki drinks and and really everything there, there were there was no over the top garnish that you would normally see with tiki drinks which i like i said i really like like i like i enjoy and advocate for purposeful garnish you know i don't like something that i have to put on the side of my drink and and then throw away like i like if there's something i can eat that's amazing if yeah. there's something i can take you know smell that's amazing um but so i i really really like the style of the cocktails well the city like that
1: I will only disagree because I think that over garnishing tiki drinks is necessary of for the escapism. Guys, if you want to know yeah. more about garnishes, listen to our garnish episode. No, of course, of course, for tiki, like it's it's expected Bloody and it's fun.
2: It's expected and it's fun. But I I will just say I was like also a little pleasantly surprised at this one particular shift where they were they did it a bit differently. Like the drinks still looked beautiful, you know. There was fruit inside the glass a certain way, and and whatever. Um, it just wasn't. It, it was just a little bit different than you would normally expect from tiki right
1: and it was a lot of drinking
0: a lot so what was like the majority we has thrown down shots or was it cocktails or a little a column a column B I literally didn't take a single shot which I thought
2: was really refreshing
1: okay for me it was a bit different because living in Hong Kong for that long I was visiting a lot of old friends in the industry right so a lot of the guest shifts that I went were in bars that my friends owned or my friends operate so when I came in I came in for the experience of the cocktail of this guest shift or the cocktail of this event, but then they see me an old friend, they're like, "Shot of Fernet. Mm-hmm. So I had a lot of Fernet <laughs> yeah. this week, but I don't think it was because it's a trend in the industry. I think the events have toned down on the shots. I think that they weren't just making this whole thing about getting wasted and having shots, especially because everyone was going through five, six bars in a night. Yeah, But I think I had a little bit of a meeting old friends again, and that has been a lot of cheering you with shot.
2: Oh, I I lied. I did have some shots, but they were light. Like people would pour a shot of a cocktail or something, which I really appreciate (laughs) because it was a lot. Like, I mean, you you were, you were basically on a a marathon every night, like trying to get to as many shifts and bars as you could because you want to see everything. I mean, there was one night, right? That there must've been 40 events going on. And it's like, how do you choose? Like everyone has a great bartender at it. Everyone is at a great bar, you know? And so you really had to kind of do like 45 minutes at each bar. And so I don't know about for you, but all of the people that I saw and reconnected with, it was often just like for a high five on the street as we were crossing paths in each going to the next bar.
1: Yes. I mean, I point to the coffees in the afternoon or food just to catch up with people. But yeah, at night was, I saw Alicia at one event that I didn't see her for three hours and I see her in another event. Yeah.
2: Because <laughs> um, we should also say Hong Kong, the the area that the majority of these bars are in, Everything's very walkable. You know, every bar is a few minutes from each other, and and you can really do it all in one night, which is awesome. So, Alicia, what's your favorite new opening in Hong Kong that you saw this week? My favorite. Um, oh, that that's a tough decision. Okay, but I will say that you know this is going to be related to something I say later. But I really liked Savory Project from Jay Khan. Dun dun dun.
1: <laughs> I feel like he requires a segue. Here. There's an asterisk <laughs> coming with that one. So if you guys listened to our last episode, we've been interviewed by a journalist that talked to us about the Savory Project that I was unaware about. And the way he explained to us out of the information that he had and uh, was that it was a non-alcoholic, all-savory cocktails. And I made a little joke about why would I go to a bar to have soup in a glass? And uh, it, was, it was just a mild joke. Of course, I would understand anyway. But when I actually got to Hong Kong and I went to the Savory Project, that is not true. They make incredible cocktails with alcohol. They do have a massive list of mocktails as well, but the cocktails are brilliant. Yeah, they are made by, sorry, the whole project is um, headed by Jake Khan, which is also the founder of Koa, which is the best bar in Asia. And um, he has an amazing bar manager, Arjit, that like I'll go way back with too. And I went there and I even joked with them. I'm like, oh my God, I was so wrong about the concepts and I really like it as well and it's a little place great drinks great vibes yeah it it was also
2: really great because the night that i went it was my last night in hong kong they were closing at midnight which i didn't know i assumed they were open until one uh it was like a
0: does hong kong have a closing time
1: yes oh they do but yeah yeah yeah. so later right no 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 so it's um it's one for um it's kind of like a zoning area so certain areas have different closing times so that area of Soho, where the Pontiac is, where the Savior Project is, all these other bars are, uh, you have to close by one. Okay. Yeah. And other areas, like Quai Foam and all that, you have to close by five.
2: Mm-hmm. In other
1: areas, you have different closing time. You can get a 24-hour license, but it's grandfathered in and in specific areas.
2: Well, okay. So, well, they were closing at 12 uh, on the night that I was there going. And I got there at, like, 1140, just not knowing. Oh, wow. Oh, you know? Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, they opened the door and they were like, you know, we just did last call. Um, you know, do you, maybe you can just have one drink. And I was like, okay. And they're like, you know, you come back tomorrow. And I was like, oh, I'm leaving tomorrow, but it's okay. Like, I understand. I don't want to like, you know, mess you guys up. I, I get it. And they were like, hold on one second. And then the guy went in and came back out and he was like, okay, come have one drink, you know? And so I went and I stood around the bar and, um, they they made me one drink and then made me two more after that, just because we were just hanging out and trying the drinks and whatever. So I thought that was really great. Like, obviously, you guys know at the end of a long day, you want to go home and and some some asshole comes in and is like, well, I just want what, you know. um But it was it was really nice. Like service was excellent. They they made me drinks. Just because they wanted me to try extra stuff, you know, only charged me for one drink. It, it was, oh, that's very nice. Yeah, it was really, really great experience.
0: Now, I've got a question. Uh, because it is a food and beverage podcast, was there food pairings with anything? Like, were people like, oh, this trick? Like, do you remember we had a bar here a while ago and with, with an edible menu, uh, Max Bar? Do oh. you remember that? It was like grilled cheese sandwich.
1: Oh, tour. Yeah. Yeah. That was my was
0: there, favorite was, bar. Was there anything like that where it was like a food and drink thing or was no. it just drinks?
1: Well, a lot of these places have food menus, but they they weren't necessarily paired with the cocktails. Gotcha. Uh, There are restaurants in Hong Kong that have cocktail pairings, but we were going for a bar week with focus on the bar. Yep. So I was heating up my local favorites and restaurants that I really wanted to try, and then I was having drinks separately. So I wasn't necessarily exploring the food menu of most of these bars. Yeah.
2: Same. I didn't really order food at bars, but... But a lot of the bars had food you could order, but nothing really
0: paired with the cocktails. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I didn't know if that was just going to be, you know, because you. Know, I, I, I wasn't there. So you yeah. had an onion in it. That's a, that's a vegetable. You're good at that, that was a Gibson. <laughs> it, it was a Gibson. Yeah. <laughs> yes. All right, I guess. Funny story. Do you guys know the story about Gibson? No, Enlighten us. So Gibson was a, apparently, I don't know if it's the guy's real name or whatever, but there was a, the story goes, this guy was at a bar. And he didn't want to be drinking that heavy. But he was with like a meeting or whatever. This is back in the day, like Mad Men style. And so he's at this bar and he tells the bartender, hey, listen, all my friends are getting martinis. Make me something weak. The way I'll know it's weak is just put an onion with it. Oh. So it does nothing really for the flavor or anything. It's, you know. So he got a standard martini with an onion just to make him feel better? Well, no, it was supposed to be a weaker (laughs) drink just so he knew it was his drink at all Uh times. So the onion marked that it was Uh his drink. The onion was supposed to be the marker. But what happened over
1: time was it just became like... Henceforth. So the the bartender did that thing where can you make it stronger? Sure, I'm gonna make it normal. But yeah, but can just make you make it less sweet? Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I'm gonna make it. You're normal. gonna have it normal with an uh, with an onion. <laughs> can you make it weaker? Sure, I'm gonna make it normal. <laughs> Put an onion. it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and that's the Gibson story that I've heard before. That's ac- apocryphal.
1: We
2: can not talk about one food thing, Anna.
1: Yes, shout out. <laughs> I am. A, I don't even know what she's talking about. <laughs> I have been for many years. Being almost like like an evangelist of this food. I go around. I have an ambassador. The ambassador. Yeah, they should give me like, somebody told me that they should give me a subcard. And when I have friends come over, I got a stamp and then I got a free one at the end. It is a wine and cocktail bar and restaurant called Shady Acres. And they have the best Impossible Burger in the world. This place, you've been talking about this. I know. I tell everybody about it. So anyone in Hong Kong that I'm meeting, I'm like, you need to go to Shady and have the Impossible Burger. It's so for people at home that doesn't know Impossible is a is a meat like replacement. It's made with um, they know. It's made of plant. Everyone knows what a People here though, no, people here we don't have. Yeah, Impossible. But now. at Shady, they decided to make just because it's vegetarian, doesn't have to be healthy, or, or boring. So they do basically like a proper burger. It's way seared. It has cheddar cheese. It comes in a bun and saucy and juicy and it's. Better than a real burger, and it- They don't even have
2: a regular burger on the menu. Actually,
1: they only have the Impossible oh, burger. Wow, that's and, crazy it's, and it's like the star of the menu because it's satisfying enough. You don't need a meat. It doesn't feel like you need meat because you're already having meat. It feels exactly like meat. It's one of the best. Like, it's fine. Like, so you- an Impossible burger, a
0: nice Sip Smith cocktail at Savory, and you're good to go. <laughs> I'm feeling
2: personally attacked. This, this burger is next, next next level. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I guess that wraps us all weekend in Hong Kong. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. It was a guys. great week. Yeah, it was really well, great. Week. And welcome back to Shanghai. Both yes, thank you. Both Lots, both of made it safe. Lots of sleeping to do.
0: Yeah. Cheers. 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 Cheers to that. So those drinking at home, keeping score, this is number two. <laughs> okay, ladies and gentlemen, rockers and rockettes, we're welcoming you to a new segment that we always do that I still call new, <laughs> F&B Horror Stories.
1: Hey, what you got for me, Anna? All right, so I have a very embarrassing F&B horror story this week. As we were talking earlier, I've been back to Hong Kong, very anxious, opening a new bar during COVID. None of my international friends, none of my top 50 voters, none of my network and partners and all that have seen the bar or have like much of, apart from social media. So I was around networking like crazy. I'm around giving out stickers, come by to the bar, planning events. It was very positive. People are actually very excited about the concept. Mm-hmm. And I was coming back to Shanghai on Sunday, but I had a, I won't say names here, the owner of a brand, again, alcohol brand, a craft alcohol brand from the UK and their Hong Kong importer and one of the distributors that they're like, oh, we're going to be in Shanghai on Saturday. I'm like, well, I'm not going to be there, but I'm sure my staff can take care of you. So I told my staff, I'm like, expect these guys, take care of them, give them a free drink, everything. No problem. Um... I was chill about it. I have massive trust in my staff. They're great. Mm-hmm. The guys came and she was doing the whole peach, the sales, she tried the cocktail. They saw that we have Guinness. And they're like, no, we are going to have a pint of Guinness each. I'm like, okay, no problem, of course. Right? I wasn't here, but I, I'm imagining how the conversation <laughs> went. Uh, she serves them three pints of Guinness. They send me this lovely selfie of the three of them having this Guinness. Really excited. And then I get a text saying... Actually, it was pretty bad. It was sour. We're about to send it back. But I thought that it was a joke. I thought that he was being like, wow, horrible drinks, horrible beer, horrible experience. Ha So I sent a bunch of hearts after. Oh. <laughs> I relax. I go to bed. I'm flying to Hong to Shanghai early. And then I get a text from my staff saying three guys came tonight and they were very upset because they, they said the Guinness went bad. I tried after and I do think it went bad. So I gave them highballs instead, but they were not happy about it. And I realized that it was true. <laughs> yeah. So then I sent an apology message, which is true. should be fair. Like, we clean our lines very often and all that. But we don't have kegerators here in Shanghai, so we use the chiller. So the lines are connected to a chiller that instant chills when you're pouring, right? And the problem is with the summer being so hot, uh, most pasteurized beers will be fine even past a week. The Guinness was tapped on Tuesday. So in my mind, it was fine. And I guess I didn't create a routine of them tasting the beer every day. Ah. And because during the summer, Guinness doesn't sell that much. I haven't had any other complaints. So it was the first guys that ordered Guinness this week, basically. Right? We had a quiet week. And I'm like, out of all the customers that could have had a bad Guinness and we could replace with a free drink, why them? Why the people I'm trying, the first people I'm trying to
0: impress. At the same time, they're sales reps. They could get bent. Who cares? At the same, same time, why weren't they trying your amazing cocktail? Are, they are sales reps. Sales reps out there, we love you, but you could get bent. I don't really care about your opinions.
1: Well, they... The, the, uh, Unless you want to sponsor our show. Yeah, then, then we love it. <laughs> I mean, what, I mean, if you come to the bar and you're trying to sell me a product... Eh. Yeah, but I think they're like, OK, so they came very late. I think that's why they wanted a beer. Also, they are all from the UK. And I think the idea of having like a Guinness is not it's not that common in cocktail bars to have a Guinness. So I was really excited. But I think it's more because I've been so insecure through opening through COVID. And I really wanted people from outside to come and love this bar as much as I right. love it. Yeah. So seeing that was, was just such a big embarrassment. I lost so much space and I'm not going too hard on my staff. All myself on this because it does happen, yeah. right? If any customer will come to the bar and have a beer and, I mean, of course, now I created a new SOP, a standard operating procedure that they have to taste the beer every day. So when they open yeah. the test, they'll taste it. But it didn't cross my mind before. And if somebody else had that experience, we would, of course, compensate them, get them a new drink and shot. And, you know, mistakes happen. Of course. And And the thing is,
2: like, you are a cocktail bar. You have some beers on tap that you go through pretty quickly. Like if one of them one week is not going through quickly, like you don't think about tasting it. And that's how you learn, right? That's how you improve your body yeah.
1: is by that's how, happening. That's how course. I learned. But yeah. I was so embarrassed. And I sent Aww. I sent a massive apology message. I'm like, I'm so sorry, guys. I had a bad experience. Uh, they were still here. Fingo Sunday. I'm like, let me make it up to you. Let me get you some gronies, Let me get you this. I wasn't in town. I wasn't checking. It was my mistake. I should have been checking. Blah, blah, blah. And I never got a reply.
0: What are they going to do? Not sell you their product though? <laughs> So anyway, <laughs> I,
1: I I know they're still gonna sell me their product. I just wanted their their love and respect. So I want somebody to love my baby as much as I love it. I want my yeah. baby to be perfect. So you once know? you order from them, they'll they'll love your baby. I mean, <laughs> yeah, and lots of people love your baby. What? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, that's my horror story, guys. Right. It's a good horror story. It's very embarrassing, but yeah, like, it, it well, The have made it better. I think the heart emojis. <laughs> I really thought it was a joke. <laughs> you know when you go to a friend's bar and you're like, "Oh, like, how can- was it?" and they're like, "Oh, it was horrible." I do that all the time, yeah. right? Like, this is disgusting. It's disgusting. I hate this Take bar. It. So this is what I thought they were doing. I did not think that they were actually like complaining to me. And I sent all those hearts, and I think I looked even more like. <laughs> <laughs> well, makes a good story. Makes a great story and a great segment. Anyway, uh, that was it. That's a horror story. And if you guys have more horror stories, hit up our Instagram. Send us horror stories. We will discuss it. We'll talk about it. We'll tell your story in a scary, scary way. Yes. Yeah. scary. So, China OT Rocks on Instagram. Go there. It's lighting to our DMs. And that's it. Cheers, guys. That's it. Let's go to the next segment. Next segment coming right up. And we have a new segment this week as well. New segment. New segment called new Segment Alert. What's it called? called Hot Topic. Like the mall? Like the mall. And we're here to discuss some new ideas, new ways to improve, new ways to grow, new things to explore. And this week, Logan has something new going on.
0: So, um, I think a lot of bartenders at home, and uh, when I say at home, back at, at their home bars, at their home restaurants, have you guys hopefully done private cocktail classes? Private cocktail classes are an easy money maker for both you or your bar depending on what your situation is. Uh, Generally, as we discussed off the podcast, what I like to do when I do a class, I do about 10 people. Uh, I try to do two different styles of drinks. Uh, Because I own a Mexican restaurant, I like to do um, uh, either margarita or mojito. Margarita is just on brand for our theme. Uh, And then mojito is also kind of on brand for our theme. The idea being you could do one uh, shaken drink, which is a margarita, which everybody that's never made a cocktail before has the most fun with. And I've always seen, like, it's very interesting to see people shake a cocktail for the first time if you look with a professional eye. Yeah. Because I always tell people you're not giving an elephant a hand job. <laughs> and if you can imagine it, it's people with these shakers going
1: back and forth really long. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, well, I... Okay, I'll disagree here. I think that when I'm training bartenders in the beginning, I want them to understand the movement of ice and what they're doing. So I teach them to... To shake very long, not that they're going to shake like this in the future, but just so they can learn long to control shakes. Okay, the yeah, ice, right? So they learn how to control throwing the ice really far, creating the that the hits on the end, mm-hmm. and then pulling it all back and moving it as a unit, right? So I, in my training, you see them doing that, but really quickly once they understand how to control that mass of ice, and they create their own style, then it becomes a shorter shake, right? I feel more like I see people doing the nursing of yeah. Sometimes people. they, they do like, like a like really, yeah, the super short. Shake that's super solidly and they hold all right too. Like, they hold it in the middle of the shaker, yeah. And they just like, and it's like you've been to a bar before, correct? <laughs> like, just <laughs> from them back to uh, yeah, no, uh, but cocktail classes, I agree, they're really great ways to, to generate extra income and also to a lot of marketing too. You access different people. Uh, during the harder, harder times of COVID, before I opened the bar, me and a really good friend of mine, Hannah, we together we had a company called. Banana Bunch Social Club. And we used to do events, uh, cocktail catering, and cocktail classes. So we focused on, let's say, a a bachelorette party or Mm -hmm. a corporate event. Mm -hmm. And we did the same. We did, sometimes we did bigger classes, depends on how many hours. It's kind of like, they they choose the sets, but we did it at Shaken and Stirred and Built. And we did, the shaking was always everybody's favorite part. So we always had to have a shake and drink to get them, like, involved. And during the actual lockdowns here, I did a lot of online cocktail classes as well, which were a bit more, a little less exciting because you don't get to be behind a bar shaking drinks. Yeah. But definitely people love it. And it's a lot of fun, too, because you get to introduce your bar, your concept, and they, get, they give you a bigger value for it. They understand now after making a margarita, they understand what it what what entails. And then when they go out, they're excited to have a margarita too.
2: Well, and I think that it's particularly a particularly great thing to do now because, you know, I do think that there's been a shift since COVID of people doing more things themselves at home, right? Like yes. people, people cook more, they exercise more at home, they want to make drinks at home. They, they want to learn to do these things themselves, right? Because we had this whole period where no one could do it for you. And so now, you know, teaching someone how to make even just a couple great drinks at home, it's something they can do for their friends, you know, do for themselves on just like a night where they want to drink. Like, I I think that it's a really cool thing and people definitely want to learn.
0: It's a fun thing, like even if it's a team building or a bachelor party or a bachelor party. Birthday. Or birthday. It it is a fun team building because you are having drinks, but you're making the drinks. It's kind of like... Almost like teppanyaki when you see the guy does do everything, but then he brings you up and you could do yeah. flip an egg or whatever.
2: Yeah. I mean, so when when I worked at Drink Magazine, it was actually something that we did for as a team building exercise, you know, because the majority of people who worked for Drink Magazine were not bartenders, right? We were there to support bartenders. And so um, the 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 head of the company, we, we would do, you know, quarterly kind of these team building things. And, you know, one time we did a competition where we had to uh, batch make Singapore slings and like. You know, other times we just learned to make like 90s cocktails, you know, stuff like that. And so he also taught us like basic shaking techniques, stirring techniques, all that kind of stuff so that the people working for this company would also have a better understanding
1: of, you know, what it what it was that we were supporting in the industry. Yeah, I'm actually planning on also bringing it back to post because I still have a, a big database of the people that used to do back in the day. So because we called ourselves a social club. We had basically almost like an ear. Well, we didn't organize that. You didn't have to buy the tickets ahead of time, but we had themes. So this month we're doing gin. Next month we're doing tiki. Mm -hmm. Next month we're doing whiskey. So people that were part of the network had another interest to come to a different class because it was about something different. We were repeating the same content over and over again to get a different audience. Mm -hmm. We had almost like a a loyalty on it. Mm, That's very cool. Yeah. Super fun. I mean, it's a, it's a it's a, cool thing.
0: It takes a, for a bartender, too. Sometimes it gets you out of your comfort zone because you do have to talk and kind of watch everybody make the drinks. And then you also have to make sure they're not doing it wrong, almost like you're a fitness coach or whatever. You have to make sure the form is correct. And it's also fun. People actually learn all the esoteric tools we use, like jiggers, bar spoons, how to stir. When you show people how to stir the first time, it's always like an enlightening moment. Yeah, they always think they should stir like soup. Yeah. But it's more of like, you have to let the spoon do the work for you, you know?
1: Yeah, guys, that's our hot topic this week. Hot topic. Yeah, good topic. <laughs> and uh, it's a great idea. So, yes, if you want to implement. And we hope to bring you guys back more ideas in the future. Yeah, we want to make you some money, guys.
0: <laughs> okay, guys, and this is our favorite segment, um, only because we like drinking. And it's called Drinks I've Been Drinking. So this week, we've got Alicia here. Alicia, what you been drinking?
2: Well, so since I was just in Hong Kong, I'll talk about it, you know, a drink that I love there. I, I have more than one, but, but I'll start with one. So as mentioned, I really loved Savory Project. In general, I love a savory drink. If there's one on the menu, it's pretty much the first thing I'll order, unless there's a milk punch. Of course, I'll always order a milk punch. So one drink uh, that I had there was called Pepper Corn, corn in all caps, and um, it was really really just fabulous so it is charred corn husk uh cumin peppers tomato mezcal and msg mm. uh, and so um you know some people i'm sure would see msg on the menu and be like oh my god i don't need msg, blah, blah. MSG is fine for you um and i think it's like the stigmatized ingredient and actually i've read some articles like in recent years about bartenders especially like Asian-American bartenders incorporating it into their drinks to kind of destigmatize this ingredient, you know?
0: I always add it to mojitos. MSG to mojitos is really good. Well,
1: I mean, it, it amplifies all the flavors. Like, that's what it does, right? I, I agree. And also, uh, I mean, I'm not going to get too political on this, but the ease historical reasons why MSG was kind of vilified. Uh, and they're all incorrect. Obviously, like any other seasoning, having an abundance be so can be... <laughs> having an abundance can be problematic. But uh, for anything, same as salt, same as sugar, same as cumin and all right. that. But um, MSG is actually totally fine for you. And it does not give you headaches and does not give you... Yeah. It's just a flavor enhancer and brings out a lot of umami notes. So it's really good when you do a yeah. savory drink. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you don't have to add salt. Because a lot of the problems when we're trying to make a balanced umami drink is that we put too much salt and drinking too much sodium is not good for you. But the, um, the MSG can bring the umami flavors without... The edit sodium. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, so so this drink was essentially kind of a twist on a Bloody Mary, right? But it was super smoky from both the charred corn and the mezcal. Like, it was a little bit spicy. It was super, like, um, I don't know the right word to use, like, piquant, you know? Like, okay. Like, to, like y peppery, like a touch spicy, sour. It was just, like, everything I wanted in a drink. And it was, um, I, I believe, clarified because the color was also just gorgeous, like an orangey red. Um, and it was really just fabulous.
0: We'll have to show that on the podcast
1: then. That sounds awesome. Yeah, I, I have a photo, which we'll post on trans- Instagram. Instagram. Yeah, we'll yeah. post it on Instagram later. Um, for me this week in Hong Kong as well, I had so many amazing cocktails, but because of the constant heavily drinking and the constant uh, trying everything, I ended up settling for something so simple. What I've really been drinking was micheladas. Wow, micheladas always classic. It's classic and it's delicious, and I think the guys from the shady group um, Shady Acres group, they have a new concept called Honky Tonks, which is, again, like a, a kind of American country. Oh, that was fun Yeah. I love that place. And they had really good Micheladas. And they have a really good, every every so often have different hot sauces. And like, you can add to your Michelada. Well, I don't know if it's part of the program, but I add it to my Michelada as well. <laughs> and in the heat and running around all day and constantly hungover, it just hit the spot. And I'm not saying that I didn't have memorable cocktails. I actually loved uh, Savory Project. The um, Thai beef salad mm-hmm. was really good. That's a cocktail. That's a cocktail, and it tasted exactly like a Thai beef salad. As a, like with... they
2: tried to give me that. Actually, they made that for me, and I was like, "I'm
1: really sorry, I'm a vegetarian." <laughs> it, was <one> <laughs> the it, it was one of the best. was one of the best, like mind blowing drinks in the mm-hmm. sense of flavor profile that I had there. I had a lot of other incredible drinks and other drinks on uh, a guest shift. Especially uh, Peddler did a guest shift with mealy Tang and. She had a milk punch with, again, it was a chaotic, so I didn't really see the menu, but everyone was recommending. And it was a it was a milk punch that had some chocolate in it and some gin, and it was just... I didn't even get to try it because they're sold out.
0: Just out just for the listeners people. at home, maybe if you're not a bartender, what is a milk punch?
1: It's when you use uh, milk to clarify your drink, because when you add acid to the milk, you can separate the proteins, and then you're only left out with the whey, the whey protein, basically, and the water from the milk, so it gives you this... Round and smooth and almost like a vanilla-ish, creamy texture in a completely clear drink. So you can have like a water. Without okay. without the heaviness and the fat, yeah. basically. You yeah. still have this this soft roundness to it and a little bit of this vanilla hint. But her, her milk punch was really good. And uh, yeah, but at the end of the day, I still stayed in a bar in the afternoon having three micheladas mm. just to... Get me over the edge and start my day, and Honky Tonks did a great job. I mean, a, a great a, mix. A great version of,
2: of a drink that you already love is is a beautiful thing when you find it, you know? Yeah, it's exactly. like, why drink anything else when you when you find that perfect thing? So, Logan, what have you been drinking?
0: Well, I've been a little bit adventurous uh, this week. I did a, uh, actually, really, I've been drinking, I did a uh, awa con jamaica, which is a hibiscus tea, basically. So, you make, basically boil down hibiscus. Uh, and you make a tea out of it, and then you add some rum and some ice and some lime and a little bit of sugar. In our case, agave, and you have a parte. Yeah. Love Jamaica. It was one of my favorite things when
1: I go to Mexico as well. Just having the, I love the color. I, love I the flavor. yeah.
2: You know what's funny? Uh, can I tell a short story about this of uh, about this drink? So, uh, th- this drink that you just mentioned, actually, me and our friend Christina did a guest shift at Taco Licious once, and we made a very similar drink. You know, a, a spiked hibiscus tea. And it had 45 mLs of gin in it, standard drink, right? And we had people, we could hear, like the drink was so good that like you just, it was like one of those ones that you don't know there's alcohol in it, right? Because we like, we spiced it, the tea was perfect, the right sweetener, whatever. And people were, we heard people complaining at the tables around us being like, this doesn't have any alcohol in it. Don't order that drink. It doesn't have any alcohol in it. And we were like, someone came back and was like, this doesn't have any booze. Can you add more? And we, and we were like. Sure, but it definitely has booze. Like, you can, you watched us make this drink.
0: yes Sure. But I'm going to make it normal. Sure.
2: I'm going to make you the same one.
0: <laughs> I hate that so much For people are like, oh, there's no booze in this drink. It's like, well. Like,
1: there's absolutely booze in this. Like. I had a girl here on Happy Hour just ask, can I have a gin and tonic, but can I have a strong one? I was like, sure. Again, just with more eyes. <laughs> or you put a little bit
0: of gin on top. Or
2: it's just like you have to pay for it. Sure, I'll charge you double if I'll you double you do- the yeah. alcohol. You know? It's just,
0: yeah. That's not the game to play. <laughs> well, <No. laughs> well I think we had some exciting drinks. Like, I mean, I want—I love a good
1: michelada. In the summer, michelada is bomb. Oh, my God, yeah. It was, it was so crushable. And again, it was so hot and humid in Hong Kong. We're talking about, like... Nasty. Nasty, like sticky. And then it got to this place, and there comes Blessing, and there is indie rock music, and... It's afternoon and it's sunny and crushing three micheladas in a row and having some slices of pizza. And it was literally what I needed. It was nursing me back into <laughs> life. Sounds great. Recovery micheladas. Recovery micheladas, yeah. But uh here you have more exciting drinks, Alicia. What else have you been drinking? Oh, well,
2: um, I mean, honestly, I could talk about drinks forever. But um, I also had a really awesome Gibson at Savory Project, which uh, I think you guys both would have appreciated. It was an onion forward. It. I- you had it? Yes. So it was like an onion forward Gibson made with leeks and fortified wine, and it was really just, like, pretty delicious, simple, but, I don't know, well, elevated Gibson.
0: Well, we had Loved. A, We had an amazing drink the other day. You and I, Alicia, we had the... Uh, the, the best martini in Shanghai. Uh, so how very you? Very good <laughs> martini. <to> I dis- <laughs> <laughs> <To notice> that <laughs> I said very good martini. No, but it was a, a uh,
2: banana pepper, banana pepper martini at the Union Trading Company. It, I, I, I I'm sorry, it's the best martini that I. It was very. It,
0: it's somebody like if you had Papa John's those little uh, uh, peppers on the side. What are yeah. you? called Pepperoncinis? Yes, it's it, just nostalgic like it that. It tasted like pepperoncini juice mixed with vodka or gin, and then yeah. shaken and delicious. Yeah. For the record, Elijah never had a martini here. Oh, <laughs> shots fired. <laughs> okay. <laughs> shots have been fired. I am hurt, I'm listeners. Sorry. Shots it's have been fired in the in the it's podcast. Such a good
2: mood. martini. I really love it. I told you. I started this segment by saying I love a savory drink, and so when I had this and banana peppers, come on, you don't it's eat crazy. that much in, in China, right? So when I had this, like it's simple, just vodka martini, banana pepper juice, whatever. Chick, chick, chick. Very cold. It was
0: it was it's just so good. I just love it. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening. I think we'll end it on that note. Uh, cheers, everybody. See ya. Cheers at and home, guys. For those
1: at home, this is three. Thanks for listening. Cheers, for everybody. Listening and re- please don't forget to like and subscribe. Thanks, sir, for the tip. And also, please follow us on Instagram and slide in our DMs. Send your ideas. Send the drinks you've been drinking. Send us your stories, and we'll definitely talk about it on the show.
0: Cheers, everybody. Hope everybody likes the new format. Hope everybody likes the new sound. And um, on behalf of Alicia and Anna, I just want to say cheers and goodbye, everybody. Bye. See you next time. next time. Later.